second down, 30, going deep. And he's got his receiver, Adams! Slicing in for the touchdown. Pulse of the Pack Podcast. Play in big running room. of the Pack Podcast. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website at TicketKing.com. Again, that's the TicketKing.com. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to a victory Sunday, Monday, whenever the hell you're watching this version of Pulse of the Pack. And as you can see, we're together. We are in the same place. We could reach out and touch each other. All First right. time ever. All right. Well, and now you can see why we don't do this from the same location. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and forget that just happened. But what we're not going to forget that happened is the 24-16 to 16 victory the Green Bay Packers had over today. The Carolina Panthers led by Jason's favorite quarterback, Kyle Chase Allen. Yeah. Are you also going to not uh, pretend that your best friend from high school didn't happen? Totally My right. best friend for me, yeah, totally, totally Rodriguez. I can't pretend that he didn't happen. So that's where we're at. The Packers are 8-2 going into their bye week. A much better feeling. A game that started, for those of you that are following me on social media, I took a picture before the game, and it was sunny, well, cloudy skies, green field, green grass, and then by the end of the game it looked like uh, Christmas again. As Aaron Rodgers said, winter is here, and uh, the Packers are heading towards winter with a 8-2 record. And as it stands right now, the season doesn't end today, but if it did, the Packers would be the number two seed in the NFC. Oh, I did not know about the two seed. That's awesome. Yeah. So there we go. We're going to get off to a good start uh, with that. Packers going to their bye. They'll face the San Francisco 49ers following their bye. Uh, and let's just kind of jump right into it here. First of all, uh, today's game, much better than last week's debacle. I think that's pretty safe to say in that regard. Not hard. Not tough. Packers still did fall behind early. Uh, they they did not have a good first possession of the game. It seems like today the theme of the game was if Green Bay didn't have penalties, they did whatever they wanted. But if they had a penalty, it was kind of drive killing, or in the case of the end of the game, which we'll get to shortly, drive extending. Um, so I think that really it's kind of an encouraging sign, I guess, because early in the game, early in the season, if you remember, they were boat racing teams off the jump yep. and kind of hanging on for dear life at the very end. Well, today they. Still kind of hung on for dear life at the very end, but at least they were able to not get off to a good start, jump out to a big lead, and still kind of control the game from there. The offense eventually gets into the end zone. Aaron Jones is a star, guys. Star with a capital S. Aaron Rodgers said it's time to talk about him in some MVP conversations. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that, but he's a very good player that I'm happy is on the Packers. I'd rather have him than not. Three touchdowns today. Somebody asked, I think it was Zach Jacobson of Packer Report. He's like 14 years old, so I'm not quite sure how well-versed and how seasoned he is. Sounds about right. Yeah, so with that in mind, he asked, is it too premature? Is it crazy to say Aaron Jones is a top five running back? So I'll ask you and kind of put you on the spot. Is it? I don't know. I mean, the way they they share carries, he and Jamal Williams, makes it an interesting question. But when he's sharing as many touches as he does and he still outputs the way he does then yeah I think it's I think it's safe to say that you look at you know right now as we speak we're in Green Bay together we both attended the game today and it was awesome to be in the stadium together once again pulse of the pack is undefeated when we're in the house 4-0 and you know I'm watching 
you know, right now, Dalvin Cook, every time he's touching the ball against the Dallas Cowboys or playing on Sunday Night Football, he's very dynamic and he does great things with the, with the ball. Well, that's Aaron Jones as well. So, yeah, I think it's absolutely valid. And then the other thing, too, that is, you know, we don't have to do it right now, obviously, but go ahead and name your five guys right now. Sa- you, okay, so Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, Zeke, Dalvin, Dalvin, Dalvin Cook. And See, and I don't know if I would I, – I don't know if I'd put Zeke ahead of Aaron Jones right now. I would, but, I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it kind of is what it is there. I think that, you know, after that, I mean, once I get to the fifth running, unless I'm missing somebody really obvious, and that's definitely possible. Uh, but I think those guys that you mentioned are definitely the cream of the crop once you get to the beginning there. But, uh, yeah, so Aaron Jones, really good player. Uh, that's not a surprise to anyone that has been paying attention to football uh, for the last couple of years. Today he finished with 13 carries for 93 yards and three touchdowns. Jamal Williams, 13 carries, 63 yards. He did not score. Uh, they had a chance at the end of the half. And let's kind of get into that now, just the decision-making yeah. Uh, that took place at the end of the first half. The Packers are leading 14-10, to 10, and they're inside the red zone. Uh, Jamal Williams has a false start with about 20 seconds. You can see the Packers trying to manage the clock a certain way. And they were at the two, and Rodgers called the timeout with about 20 seconds left, and Williams has a false start on the next play. That moves them back. Uh, Jimmy Graham has a touchdown reception that is nullified via review because he, it was ruled he didn't have both of his feet in the end zone. That was disappointing. Uh, really big drive from Jimmy there. Something cool that we'll get to here in a moment on Jimmy Graham before getting into that drive that was pointed out to me uh, by my brother who was watching the broadcast, which obviously I was not. Um, but that Graham doesn't score, and then the Packers are uh, forced to run a third down play, and Rodgers throws the ball out of the back of the end zone, but pass interference is called. And when they call pass interference, that puts the ball <clears> to <throat> one yard line. I will tell you immediately what I said standing in the stands. I said, you expletive go for it i said you cannot in one sentence say all gas no break and then kick a field goal on fourth and one from the goal line yep now i know immediately obviously it didn't turn out well when it doesn't turn out well that really brings the people out saying see they should have kicked a field goal well here's my thing hindsight is always 2020 and it's very easy to say what somebody should have done after it was over now i'll give credit guys like Nick Schmitz and some others were saying kick the field goal right away. Jason Wildey was another one saying take the three points. I just can't get on board with that. Uh, I think that you want pedal to the metal, and I think that you want to be aggressive and dictate to the opposing team. Now, there are instances when I think you have to read the room. You know, you have to know what's going on. When Mike McCarthy kicks two field goals in Seattle in the NFC Championship game, dominant defense, the Legion of Boom, Points are going to be at a premium. Right. You Here, get down there, you got to you got to punch it, and you got to go for it. Right. Here against Carolina, I was uh, I was a hundred percent saying go for it, score the touchdown. Now we'll get into the play call, the execution, and all that stuff here in a minute. But you're sitting in the stands on the other side of me. What are you thinking as they're debating whether or not to send the offense back on the field? Same thing. Go for it because the offense was moving the ball, the defense was doing enough, and again, it's Kyle Chase Allen throwing the football for the Panthers, and he was floating them all day long, and it just didn't look like he, you know, he he's he settled into the offense well, but he wasn't playmaking. I mean, he moved around, he ran a little bit. Okay, fine. You know, side note, he, I think I might have mentioned this in a previous show, he actually played his high school football right down the street from where I live in the Phoenix area, uh, and he didn't pick the correct high school. If you know the Scottsdale and the Phoenix uh, football, high school football landscape, he did not pick the right uh, school, which would have been my alma mater. 
So obviously there were some mistakes there. But in all seriousness, you go for it. You're on the one yard line. You're a seven and two football team coming off of a complete clunker last week. You got to go into the bye with some momentum. You got to go into the bye and get your offensive line some some juice, some mojo. They've struggled a little bit. David Bakhtiari, we'll talk about him probably in a little bit. You know, it's kind of interesting that he's he's one guy that a lot of people out there seem to think will really benefit from this bye week. So I like the call. I was totally fine with it. And whether they made it or not, because I still was confident, listen, you're in the lead. If they were down, I don't know, it's it's maybe a little bit of a different call. But those those three points, we've been through too many scenarios where they've kicked a field goal and it's come back to bite them. So, yeah, right. and I knew at the end of the game when it's 24 to 16, and I could hear the people in the back of my head say, oh, those three points would have mattered. Well, yeah, but if they execute and score the touchdown, this also doesn't really matter. Right. So, um, yeah, so the play call was a dive play to Jamal Williams, uh, and David Bakhtiari just whiffs on Gerald McCoy. McCoy said that he read a key that said he knew what was coming, um, which, okay, uh, smart football players, a veteran, those kinds of things. Even if he knows what's coming, if Bakhtiari can at least get a hand on him, he gives the play a chance. Here's my beef with the play call is Jamal Williams is a good player. Aaron Jones is better. I don't think there's any question there. And Devontae Adams is your best receiver. He's not on the field. Aaron Jones is not on the field. So you've taken your two best offensive yeah. weapons and put them on the sideline for a big play. And ultimately they don't get it. Uh, gets stuffed before halftime and never really even had a chance. And honestly, they had a chance to call Williams for another false start uh, that would have actually bailed the Packers out had they called it and would have given them those three points that they end up missing on. Uh, but they didn't call it. The, the play call was rough. I think that the process was right. I think the result was poor. I think that's what you have to look at when you're objectively trying to say what the head coach did, whether or not that was right or wrong. And I think the process was right. I like the idea of being aggressive. I do wonder if that got him a little gun shy later in the game, which we'll get to here in a moment. One thing that stood out to me, so Jimmy Graham, the cool thing that I was told about today was Jimmy Graham had a 50 or about a 48 yard or something like that. Uh, play down the seam, mm-hmm. and Troy Aikman, I guess, pointed out on the broadcast that Rodgers had told Allison to kind of sit down at the sticks, which caused Luke Keekley to jump that route, which left Graham open up the seam, and then he had some play uh, yards after the catch, which I don't think he could do that anymore, but Jimmy Graham kind of shows some like little flashes every now and again that makes you think, like, okay, he's still got a little bit. Now, granted, he's not worth the contract he's getting. I know he's like a whooping boy for Packers fans, but... Uh, he does a few things each and every week that, and then of course he follows that up by screwing up, not getting his feet down in the end. Right, zone for well, that was a, that was a tough catch, tight coverage. That would have been a tough one. Jimmy Graham in previous years, or you know maybe even three years ago, might possibly have a chance to house that catch, but he just doesn't run very well anymore. But he did drag two or three defenders with him, so he's still doing that. And one thing that we, we haven't talked about or given him credit for in the last couple of shows is that he actually is blocking a little bit yeah. better. I don't know if he heard everybody's griping and complaining, including our own, and just decided to step up and, and be that guy. I mean, he's a captain of this team. He's still seen as uh, a leader. So for him to go out there and make some plays like that, I think it's going to be really big. And I also still think he can be with his big body and his desire to win. And, you know, the team's winning. The effort's different. When things get cold and defenses tighten up a little bit, and especially when they get into, hopefully we're talking about some postseason, a guy like that, he's going to have to start winning some of his one-on-one matchups. He's had some tough drops in, in tight situations. You know, that goal line play you mentioned, that's a, that's a bummer. It's You know, it's a bummer. From where we were sitting in the stadium in the stands, it looked like it was a catch, but we don't have the benefit of all the replay and, and everything else that TV does. So give him his due. It was a decent throw by Rodgers, too, to give him a chance. 
Well, at eight wins, you're talking postseason now. I mean, they're really two wins away from probably ensuring they're at least in the playoffs. You know, but then they, but then I also have seen because of the the way everyone's playing well, and I don't know what's happening in the Vikings game right now, but there was some talk about the potential of if things continue on the trajectory that they are. And the Saints lost to the Falcons, so they they picked up another loss. And, you know, there's still plenty of time for San Francisco to come back down to earth a little bit and some of these other teams. But there was some talk about 11 wins maybe not getting everybody into the playoffs this year, which is crazy to think about because the NFC is so wide open. But you'd have to think, like you said, 10 or 11 gets you in, I hope. You would think, you would hope. Uh, I would imagine, you know, most of the times it does. You know, the Saints game is another example of don't put the cart before the horse. You know, it's funny, after Green Bay loses to the Chargers last week, I've got all these people on my timeline talking about games they can't win, games they'll lose, games that, you know, we're record bowl. Will we be, we're, are we good good enough to even get to 10-6? and six? You know, are we good enough to get to 9-7? and seven? And then now they're winning and people are talking like, oh, they could be 14-2. and two. So, it's a week-to-week league. It's really, hell, it's almost quarter by quarter with some of these games. But the Saints, they were on a six-game winning streak. The Falcons were on a six-game losing streak. And the Falcons kind of blew the doors off the Saints, yeah. really, if we're being honest. The yep. Saints couldn't do In anything. New Orleans. In New Orleans. So, it really, it's a week-to-week league. There's a big game tomorrow on Monday night, the Seahawks and the chart, or the Seahawks and the 49ers. That'll be interesting in terms of some NFC supremacy there. Uh, the Packers will obviously get a good look at the 49ers after they have their layup game next week against the Cardinals, Jason's other favorite team. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, something else that was interesting that I think stood out today on the offense is now the emergence and the change, and I think it's a positive thing, is that Matt LaFleur really does seem to be, if somebody earns more snaps, they get more snaps. And Alan Lazard, Alan I think, Lazard. is the example of that. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, some are speculating he's still injured or being worked back slowly. I'm going with he hasn't. He just hasn't been very good. I mean, there's no production there to justify keeping him on the field when guys like Jake Kumaro and Alan Lazard have been outperforming him. And those guys, the snap counts today, uh, will reflect that. The snap counts aren't out as we record this, but... I can tell you from looking at it, they both out tar Kumaro and Lazard both out targeted. And the snap count's going to reflect yep. that Alan Lazard is this team's number two wide receiver mm-hmm. right now. So yep. kind of a cool story to watch. Doesn't make the team out of camp. Is signed off the practice squad almost immediately. Um, because I think a team was trying to sign him was the deal. He kind of bides his time a little bit, um, getting onto the field. And then as he's gotten on the field, he's made a play and that's uh, gotten him some more playing time. That would have been a huge, huge nightmare we'd all be dealing with right now if some other team had scooped him up and he goes and gets productive and starts playing well for another team when this team has had some major wide receiver issues with Devontae Adams when he was out. Now he's back. And don't forget, next season, we're getting ahead of ourselves right now, but Equinemius St. Brown comes back, so that's a, that could potentially be a good problem for the Packers to have. But I also expect them to address the wide receiver position in the draft as well. So now that's looking very, very far ahead. But, yeah, Lazard has earned his, his uh, snaps. I mean, it was... It was Jimmy Graham and Aaron Jones off and Mercedes Lewis and Alan Lazard on on the field. And it just seemed like that was the, the personnel swapping that was going on all day. I was pretty close to the field, so just kind of watching that. And, and uh, Aaron Rodgers really trusts 13 a lot. And he made a couple of really – he made a huge catch early on. Before the offense started going, I think that catch Lazard had kind of ignited the fire and kind of started the offense moving. 
So that was that was a, a nice thing to see there. And he's definitely needs needs to be out there and needs to play more. You know, speaking of the wide receiver position, so Geronimo Allison still is getting some balls with a chance to make plays with his feet, and it just doesn't seem like he can really do it. And that's a tough thing because I think you you're shaking your head, and I think what you're thinking is he doesn't have the athleticism. Don't put him in that spot. What you do is use his intelligence and his, you know, when he made big plays over the last couple of years, last season he makes a huge catch against the Bears in week one. That was a deep ball. He has a huge, deep, long touchdown against the Redskins in, what was that, week three? That was a deep ball. So he's not running past anybody. But when he does get behind somebody, maybe try, you know, try that and get him deep. If Valdez Scantling isn't going to be the guy, tough thing was 83 Gets a ball thrown his way down the middle of the field. Rodgers gives him a chance to go up and make a play. It was a contested throw. So everybody who's talking about Aaron Rodgers not taking enough chances and being safe and not and caring more about his interception stats, I saw at least two or three balls today that the, the Panthers could have picked off and didn't. And I think if Valdez Scantling leaves his feet and gets up high and uses his size, he's got a chance to bring that ball down. So it's little things like that that maybe are, are kind of keeping him out of favor and getting more snaps over Lazard and even Kumaro, like you said. Yeah, he hasn't. I can't think of a time, now granted, just off the top of my head, that Valdez Scantling has made a contested catch like that. If he's made play, I mean, he's had, a, I shouldn't say that. He has had a couple. A couple. This yes, year, a couple. he really hasn't. And he's really struggled. This is a guy who was supposed to be the guy that takes a second year leap. He's got some ability, certainly. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Geronimo Allison. Can we. Please stop doing the bubble screen. Let him make a play at the line of scrimmage thing. Unless it's literally one yard that they need. Right. Allison's a possession receiver, knows where to be, finds the hole in the zone type stuff. That's what he's good at. Mm -hmm. Asking him to get yards after the catch and make men miss, that's that's not his thing. And he's not going to be good at that. Um, So in terms of the offense, I think we're going to leave it there. The Packers scored 24 points today. I'm going to remind you that today's show is unofficially sponsored by Subway Sandwiches. And I say unofficially sponsored because I never asked them to be our sponsor. So here you go, some free advertisement for Subway Sandwiches here in the Green Bay, Wisconsin area. Defense. A mixed bag, 16 points, 20 carry or 20 touches, 140 yards, 5 yards per touch for Christian McCaffrey. Didn't seem like it, though. No, and that was kind of the thing where, so you guys go ahead and make fun of me. It's at Packer Report. It's on the internet. I picked the Panthers to win today, and the reason was because. Negative Nelly. Negative Nelly. I'm the negative one. What the hell is this world coming to, apparently? (laughs) But um, I picked Carolina to win because I listened to my partner, who often says, this game is all about. Matchups. That's right. So the Packers have a horrendous run defense. And they're facing maybe the best running back in the league in Christian McCaffrey. They're not very good as far as linebackers go. Christian McCaffrey is a bona fide weapon. And then you throw in that Greg Olson's old ass is still going to be making plays when his son J.J. makes it to the NFL 15 years from now. So I just thought that that was a recipe for Green Bay to not be able to make enough plays on defense. And Carolina has a pretty good defense. And I just have a hard time picking a team based on the fact that I think they'll be able to get turnovers, but this Green Bay defense really is a turnover machine. They moved to 7-0 and this season when they forced at least one turnover. Those of you that are mathematicians, that means 70% of games they've played in this year, they've forced a turnover. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is they've lost two games when they haven't forced a turnover. That means they're 1-2 in games when they haven't forced a turnover. So 
when you start playing some better teams in the playoffs, you're facing Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, maybe not Jimmy Garoppolo, but some of those better players. <laughs> a little bit of shade coming at the uh, Packers' next opponent in two weeks. When you start doing stuff like that, you're not going to be able to get the turnovers. But today, an interception uh, from Tremont Williams in the end zone <laughs> and a ridiculous fumble by Kyle Chase Allen. Chase Allen. Chase Ugh. Allen. I don't even know why did. All right, so what the, basically what happened was after the game, I came up and one of my first comments to Jake was that Chase kept floating the ball and he gave the Packers defensive backs more time and, and easy chances to knock passes away. I don't know why I kept calling him Chase. He looks like a Chase. I don't know. I looked at him and my response was, who the hell is Chase? Chase. So he's always no going to be Kyle Chase Allen at this point. There we go. But, I mean, de- you know, defensively, that's the thing that you said there, too. And I think uh, Jair could have had it. It would have been a tough catch. And it's snowing. It so I'm trying to get. It would have been a touchdown. I mean, I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt there. I won't catch the damn ball and end the game. You know, if there's somebody who needed to make a play like that, though, it's Jair. And it's he's been okay. And I think he's kind of sneaky, gets his job done from the standpoint of that he doesn't get thrown to as much. Because he does cover well, but he has also struggled a little bit. I didn't think he played particularly well last week against the Chargers. He drops the interception today, and it's like, look, if you're going to do that, and you're going to be the go-for-the-ball guy, and you're going to be the ball hawk, and you want to be an all-pro, you have to make plays like that. You know, Even if you're not going to house it, which I think he would have, that seals the game right there. And I just, I just remember when he dropped the ball... I literally, while everybody was still standing waiting for the next stab, snap, sank down into my seat and just buried my head between my knees because I just was was so worried that was going to come back to bite them. But he, you know, needs needs a big play there. And yeah, I mean the turnovers, and I think the turnovers also come from the Packers getting pressure on the passer. And I don't know if the offensive lines have just kind of figured out how to slow down the edges. There was a uh, you know a lot of snaps played well, they today. Didn't today, <laughs> no. <laughs> Preston Smith had a sack. Kenny Clark comes in and finally has a has a sack. He made a big impression on the in the middle of that defensive line. I think he heard everybody complaining about him not playing as well, or maybe he's getting a little bit healthier. And you know if he comes back after the bye and just balls out, I think we can all safely assume he was hurt and dinged up a little bit. But the pressure's got to is is got to got to kind of get there, and I think that's what manufactures some of those turnovers. It's a one-two punch. You know, fortunately, the Packers were able to turn on at least enough heat today to uh, keep Chase off his game. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they were. And you mentioned Kenny Clark, and I want to get there because I made a, a joke during the game that Kenny Clark was giving a lot of Packers Twitter the middle finger today because they were starting to get some whispers that were getting a little louder that Kenny Clark hasn't had some of the gaudy numbers and is he playing as well? And you know, some people look into the metrics and all that kind of stuff. Paul Brettle. Wrote a great story at Dairyland Express talking about how Kenny Clark's still having a good year. Mike Patton went out of his way to say Kenny Clark is still doing well. He's still doing the right things. Uh, Clark was very impactful today. Uh, he had half a sack. I guess he shares that with pretty much a third of the defense because almost everybody was on top man, of Chase Man, that was Allen a wall. That was play. a great – man, on third down, that was a huge sack. Mm-hmm. Huge it was. Play. And that's something that I think that – Turnovers are not necessarily sustainable, but making big plays like that are. And, I I mean, there's things about this Green Bay defense to be concerned about. They gave up a lot of big plays, um, blown coverages. I mean, we're talking it's, you know, November 10th. It's week 10. A little late in the year to be busting coverages like that. But 
they do have good players on their team, and some of their good players are yeah. starting to play better. And if Kenny Clark can play like that, it'll free up Preston and Zadarius Smith because interior pressure has been an issue this season. Packers have a boatload of sacks, but two-thirds of them belong to the Smith brothers. And eventually, you're going to need some help. The teams that have really, really good pass rushes are the ones that get it from all over the place. You know, the Giants were able to get it from Strahan and Umanura, and they bumped Justin Tuck inside mm-hmm. and just some of those types of names um, to bring up a couple. But it was good to see Kenny Clark going today. He's a big part of what they do on defense. I'm not going to say they bottled up Christian McCaffrey, but – you know, kind of the big thing was just making sure he doesn't ruin the game. And 20 carries, 108 yards rushing, and a touchdown. A long run of 18. He had, what, six catches for 33 yards. That's where I was really the most concerned about him was in the passing, in game. The passing game. And he really wasn't – the Packers did a good job when the Panthers threw him some screens. Of being uh, there. And, and they really never – I kind of joked, I think it was on Pack-A-Day, that you kind of hoped that – there's going to be a time where you see Christian McCaffrey in the passing game matched up on a linebacker, and you're just going to pray. And they never really did. And if they did get the matchup, then they never really got it. Uh, they had a chance. Chase Allen missed uh, McCaffrey before the goal line stand. Uh, missed him on a play where he was open, uh, but there was some pressure on him. And Zadarius Smith has to lead the team in almost, almost sacks. sacks. Oh, man. Because between him today, him, Darnell Savage missed one. I think Fackrell missed one. I, I almost – Forgot that Cam Newton wasn't playing today because of the way that Allen was able Soon to, to be former play. Panther Cam Newton. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that yet. Okay, we'll see what happens. Right. But you know, that's the thing, though. To that point, there were at least two plays, and I think it was the Darius both times where Kyle Allen did have to kind of throw the ball away. He threw he threw one that McCaffrey was kind of open on the flat, but he overthrew him by a mile because he had to get rid of the ball, and it was just like he was basically just shot putting it away, so he didn't take a bad sack. And and then there was another play where the pressure got into you know got into and almost uh, got to Allen. His arm got tapped, and he ended up throwing a couple of ducks. So I mean, the pressure was good. That's the one of the one-two punch. The two punches then you create some of those turnovers, and you know the Packers were able to uh, to to generate a couple of those. You know, a nice um, you know Adrian Amos probably should have picked that ball off himself, but he went ahead and gave gave one to uh, his teammate Tremont Williams, and as Long-time Packers fans, we probably all were, were very happy to see number 38 get a pick uh, in that I game. Was. But that was you know that was one of the good byproducts of, of some of that pressure there. But they had a good plan. You know, and the biggest thing was they didn't, you know, I saw the Packers actually kind of fool and, get, and create some really good matchups by getting Aaron Jones out in space. And at one point, I think I saw a linebacker lined up across from Devontae Adams. They had a safety shaded over to help him. But that's creating some of those mismatches where I didn't see the pack they had a sound plan for McCaffrey today and like we said and everybody said look he's going to get his you cannot completely stop a player like that i guess unless you're the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bucks, Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers but you know i'm fine again it was the it was kind of the perfect the perfect plan of look let him get all of his yards between the 10 yard lines and then try to keep him out of the end zone which you know unfortunately they didn't on one occasion but when it really mattered they did they did, and that's something about this Packers defense. I think that if you've noticed, when it's money time, they're there more often than they're not. Uh, and we'll get to that here in a minute. One thing I wanted to talk about real quick, uh, I said we were going to defense, but I want to go back to offense. So the Packers' last possession of the game, it's fourth and three, and they either – I don't know if it was intentional. It's kind of hard to tell in the stands if they're doing that on purpose or not. 
Um, but they took a delay a game penalty that the Panthers ended up doing back to let them punt. But I do wonder if Matt LaFleur was a little gun-shy to go for it. Because if he goes for it and they get it, it ices the game. Um, but they weren't able to do that. So they took the penalty. I was wondering if he was a little gun-shy. So the Panthers get the ball back. And, well, things get a little dicey from there. Uh, they get to the two-minute warning. They're moving down the field. Uh, Preston's Darius Smith, Kyler Fackrell, keep getting Kenny Clark. They keep getting pressure, but they can't get Allen on the ground uh, and and really ice the game and put it away. So the Panthers get the ball. It's fourth and one from the three-yard line, and I think there was about 16 seconds left, when, well, less than that, when this play happened. Uh, Kyle Allen throws a pass that's incomplete. Uh, he's under a, a intense pressure immediately, and they call Preston Smith for offsides. So we go from that to what, four seconds. There was nine seconds left when that play happened. There's four seconds left when we get to this play. And I think it's fitting, and it's the perfect way for the Packers to win this game. There's four seconds left. Nobody has any timeouts left. The Panthers will have to go for two if they score here, but it's their way to extend the game. <laughs> My brother texted me during before the game and said, or before the play, excuse me, and said, put Jair Alexander on Christian McCaffrey. I don't even give a shit at this point. Like, <laughs> that's the guy that they're going to go to. Well, after the game, Jair Alexander said in the locker room that, you know, teams go to their best players. I talk about that all the time on this show where your money downs go to your money players. The backers on third down are going to target Devontae Adams because, duh. Well, in this case, the Panthers ran a draw play to Christian McCaffrey. So, okay, a little element of surprise because you're thinking – Probably a pass play. You have to throw the ball into the end zone. In this case, there's no timeouts left. And if you get stopped, the game's over. There's no anything else, okay? Packers weakness. Rush defense. Panthers strength. In the middle, too. Yeah, in the right. middle. Yep. And they stopped him. Mm -hmm. So I think if Green Bay was going to win this game, that's a really good way to do that. So the goal line stand. Finally, after I looked around, and of course it had to go under review, uh, there wasn't enough to overturn it. Blake Martinez said after the game in the locker room that there's no way he was in because Martinez was standing in the end zone and he was behind where I was. Um, no, Martinez was out of the end zone and McCaffrey was behind where he was too. And I think one of the things that played a factor in that play was that it's snowing outside and these guys can play on weather. It's, you know, it's a, it's not a huge, huge advantage for the home team, but I do think that that played a role in McCaffrey, not when he, instead of reaching out with his arms completely mm -hmm. outstretched, he still cradled the ball because he didn't want to lose the ball. And so his inability to reach out and get the ball to the goal line and touch the goal line was really the another part of it because, again, he's tough to bring down. No surprise, he doesn't go down on the first shot. He reaches back and tries to extend, but unfortunately, for his in his case, he wasn't able to get, the, get back there. But on that drive, what was interesting about get the ball to your best player was I thought that Allen kind of looked away from McCaffrey on a couple of those downs to get them down to the goal line where – once they got inside the 15-yard line, I don't remember how many plays they ran, but it's almost like, how do you not get McCaffrey in space and hope he can juke somebody out and just get it into the end zone? You know, when you get down to that that goal line there, then it gets a little bit easier to to figure out as as far as what's going on. Obviously, the Packers tried when they were down at the goal line. Jamal Jamal Williams gets stuffed, and then the Panthers are running McCaffrey in, and he doesn't end up getting in there too. So you take away a little bit of that element of surprise, but who knows? Maybe this will will ignite the run defense and they will have figured something out, or at least now they know they have, they can, they can handle a dynamic back 
like that because as far as you know, and we'll break this down further in a couple of weeks. But as far as the 49ers go, I know they've got Tevin Coleman, um, but yeah, you know they run the, they run the ball well. They they run the ball well, so it's going to be another week where they're going to have to step up and do some good things with the run defense. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what uh, that all looks like tomorrow night. But ultimately, yeah, the Packers get the goal line stand. Review says the call on the field stands, which probably best for the referee. I kind of made the joke that he wouldn't make it out of there if he called that a touchdown because there's, there's just no way. You couldn't see the ball. Uh, I still find it amazing that we have all this technology and we're relying on that to figure out where the ball's at. But, hey, it works out in Green Bay's favor today and the Packers move to 8-2 and two and now have a big NFC showdown with the San Francisco 49ers in two weeks. That'll end this edition of the show. Be sure to check out our Twitter account. That is at Packer Pulse. You can follow Jason, who looks like he's about to rob a gas station, at Jason Perone. You can follow me. I am at Jacob Westdorf. And check out the YouTube channel. It's at Pulse of the – well, not at, excuse me. It's Pulse of the Pack. Check that out. We've got all of our stuff going there. We'll figure out exactly what we want to do as far as bi-week coverage and everything like that goes. If something breaks, I suppose that's possible. A little bummed. Uh, that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and Danny Vitale were supposed to have a um, autograph signing in Waukesha, which is about an hour and a half away from where I live. That had to be rescheduled because I guess their agents didn't realize they were going to be on the bye week, and those guys are not staying in Green Bay, Wisconsin Correct. <laughs> for a vacationing spot. It's freaking snowing outside, for God's sake. Like it, it, It's November 10th, and there's snow on the ground. That's what it is. Um, the other thing, a very happy Veterans Day to everybody uh, that has served in the military. We had some cool stuff. The flyover today was cool. The parachuting, everything like that was cool. But this show is not possible without the great men and women that have been in our service. So I want to thank you guys first and foremost for that. Uh, the Packers are 8-2. and two. We will see you guys when they take on the 49ers. Thanks for listening. Thank you for watching. And, of course, as always, Go Pack Go! go. of the Pack Podcast.